2: This is the Mark Boris Podcast.
0: Uh, good morning. Here we go. Um, uh, apologies from Angie Mentis, um, something uh, that uh, caused her not to be able to come up from Melbourne to uh, see us today. For, and, by the way, Angie's from NAB. Um, happened yesterday. She gave us an apology last night, but she definitely will be on the show. But i got something equally important to talk to you about today. And as a matter of fact, as it turns out, what we didn't coordinate is the RBA met um, this week, met yesterday. Um, they made some decisions based on interest rates. More importantly, they didn't change interest rates. We know that. But more importantly, the the reasons behind that, the, oh, I'm going to cover those off today. So I might just start those, Jake. You're getting them right now. Uh, Glenn Stevens said in his statement, they come out at 231, which is, it happens every month for, uh, on the Tuesday, 231. The global economy is expanding at a moderate pace, but some key commodity prices are much lower than a year ago. This trend appears to be largely reflect increased supply, including from Australia. In other words, what he's saying is the world's countries that supply resources are doing it at an increased rate. In other words, there's a lot more oil out there in the world produced by the Arab countries. There's a lot more iron ore produced by Australia and Brazil and other countries, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result of being excess supply, product prices go down. So where the supply curve moves out and the demand curve stays straight, prices reduce. In other words, too much product out there in the marketplace. So makes sense that it happens, but it means lower commodity prices, lower commodity prices affect a whole lot of Australians. That's a, it's an important observation by Stevens. The second thing he says, the Federal Reserve is expected, that's the American Reserve Bank, is expected to start increasing its policy rate later this year, despite other countries around the world easing, in other words, reducing their rates. That's important, very, very important. That has an effect on the Aussie dollar, and the Aussie dollar will fall in that regard. Next thing he says is, um, he he says that the Australian economy. He says, based on information available. Now he has no more information than we do. Based on information available, the Australian economy has continued to grow, thank God, um, but at a rate somewhat slower than its long-term average. Long-term average between being between three point two five percent and three point five percent per annum GDP growth. Um, We are growing at a pace slower. Let's have a remember. uh, Let's have a take pause for a moment. The treasury has based its forecasts for for a uh, deficit slowing to a surplus in due course to a growth rate of about three point two five percent in two thousand sixteen. Um, what our Reserve Bank governor is saying that we are growing at less than that number right now, and and that that worries me a little bit. Household spending has improved. That means what consumers are spending at the shops, are we spending on holidays, all that sort of stuff. That's improved. That's great. And that's probably as a result of interest rates being lower. Um, There has been a large rise in dwelling construction. In other words, more houses being built. That's great. And exports are rising, which you would expect. But a key drag on private demand is the weakness in business capital expenditure. Now, that is the the reason why the government produced a business budget aimed directly at getting small business, business owners, outside of mining companies to start spending some money. That's a really important thing. Now, let's see if this business budget actually achieves it. That's what the budget's designed to do, is to get that key drag that the Reserve Bank government's talking about, get that resolved, the key drag on um, GDP growth. Um, so the conclusion as a result of that is the Reserve Bank Governor said, as a result of that, the economy is likely to operating with a degree of spare capacity. And like if you're running your business and uh, um, you, you, you're not getting the demand, in other words, the people aren't looking for your uh, product or your service, and you've got a whole lot of staff and you're paying costs, you've got the ability to supply more. Well, that's what they're saying about the Australian economy at the moment. We have spare capacity. In other words, we are not um, re- earning enough revenue relative to the amount of costs we are spending, which usually means deficit. Um, so... That's important. They're all the indicators that would uh, make the Reserve Bank Governor say no interest rate increases. That's for sure. Uh, they decided that it's not bad enough at this point to have an in- interest rate decrease. So, in his wisdom, he said, "Leave it where it is." And Australian dollar has declined noticeably. What well, makes you know that's no surprise to us because you know they are talking about. Uh, uh, increasing interest rates in the US relative to Australian rates. and you now our rates could even go down. So, you know, a dollar has declined. That's good for exporters. And in their final uh, paragraph, which is the most important paragraph of their statement, which, you know, it's a one-page statement, they said, having these monetary policy last month, the board today judged that leaving the cash rate unchanged was appropriate um, at this meeting. Information on economic and financial conditions to be received over the period ahead will inform the board as to the outlook and hence whether the current stance and policy will most effectively foster sustainable growth and inflation consistent with the target. What they're saying is, hey, guys, we just got a new budget. Uh, right now we're happy that we reduced rates last month. We'll leave rates on hold. But if something comes out that says to us we have to reduce rates again because of new data we get, you know, stuff from the Australian Bureau of Statistics around unemployment, around growth, etc., inflation, then if that is uh, what comes out in the numbers over the next period, then Reserve Bank will reduce interest rates again. Or if the data comes out that says that the Australian uh, government's business budget is satisfactory um, and it is producing um, more activity, then they'll leave rates where they are, or they might even consider putting them up in due course. My guess is it's just going to keep rates where they are. Okay, that's uh, what the RBA said. No rate change. They're the reasons. Pretty simple. That's the stuff we go through every week. They cover it all off in one statement. Thanks very much. I read with interest this week um, some comments made by uh, Mr. Fraser, John Fraser, at a Senate hearing uh, where they were talking about housing prices. And then there was some reflection on what he had to say by Tony Abbott. And then there's been further reflection through experts on uh, based on analytics and data as to what they both said. So I, I just want to cover that off. So at the Senate hearing, now Fraser was asked the question what do you think about how, was there a housing price bubble in some parts of the country? And his response to that was, when you look at the housing price bubble evidence, I don't know what the evidence is, he didn't disclose what the evidence is, he said it's unequivocally the case in Sydney, unequivocally, those are his words, quote, frankly, whatever the data says, just casual observation can tell you what's the case. Now, I don't really know what he means by casual observation, I don't know if he's been going to a few auctions in his street or talking to a couple of his mates, over a cup of coffee, but that would be what I call casual observation. My view is that you shouldn't have casual observation for someone so powerful because it actually turns everybody into a frenzy and all of a sudden everybody starts to panic. Am I paying too much or did I pay too much or am I borrowing too much or, you know, what's the, am I lending too much or et cetera? Um, so, look, let's have a look at it with some logic. But before I look at the logic, which is coming from a company called CoreLogic, um, before I look at the logic, I want to see what Tony Abbott's response was. Tony Abbott, the Prime Minister, said, as someone who along with the bank, in other words, you've got a mortgage, owns a house in Sydney. I do hope our housing prices are increasing. I want housing to be affordable, but nevertheless, I also want house prices, be, house prices to be modestly increasing. In other words, he wants Goldilocks. Um, he wants both. He doesn't want uh, raging house price increases, um, but at the same time, he wants his house price to increase. Uh, he definitely doesn't want to go backwards, which, you know, makes sense. Everybody else in the country would be in the same position. Uh I'm just getting distracted by this young girl down here in William Street uh, uh, with her gym gear on. Anyway, I'll get back onto the subject, okay? Sorry about that. John Fraser um, and Mr Abbott. I'll continue on. Um, uh, to be frank with you, their state, both their statements are a distraction to me. Um, Abbott's view that house prices should increase modestly, which I guess he means sustainably, is statinably obvious. Uh, which you know, that's fine. That's what I guess what Prime Minister is going to do. Uh, I think also he tried to temper what Mr Fraser said, and Mr Fraser might have been put in a position in during the Senate and hearing as to just to make a uh, an observation. Um, and it's a very difficult thing. I mean, I'm, I guess he didn't go in there with uh, you know geared up to answer the um, analytics around you know house price changes. But someone called Core Logic has actually done that. And what's interesting when you look at what CoreLogic's saying is they're saying, look, in a relative sense, yes, house prices in Australia and in particular in Sydney, Melbourne, have gone up in the last three years. But if you look at the equivalent period up to 2004, up to 2004 they've gone up nearly half at, at nearly half the rate. So the question is, what is a bubble? And is a bubble something where it's going to burst. Effectively, that's the implication that there's something's going to be a disaster, something's going to just disappear up in smoke. And in answering that question, you can only look at history. And, it, and in history, you have to look at facts. And the facts tell us that this is not the biggest bubble we've ever had, um, if it is a bubble indeed. And what they are saying is that we had much greater house price rises in the various major cities during a 10-, during 12-year you know, period ago. Now, my – I mean, it doesn't necessarily follow that the current bubble is not going to burst if there is such a bubble. Um, they're saying that really the only places that are going up in, in Australia are, are Sydney. It's not not really Melbourne, definitely not Queensland, definitely not Perth, uh, Brisbane, Perth, uh, definitely not Adelaide. Uh, Darwin is a special case. Um, so let's just leave Darwin now because we parked Darwin. Darwin's totally different to every other uh, major city in the country. And then in Sydney – a 38% increase over the past five years is not that great when you consider it was a 62% increase up until 2004. So CoreLogic's view on it is it's a bit of a panic. And uh, look, if it goes up another 20% in the next 12 months, then let's have a look at it then. But data's data, and let's look at these things logically. I don't really want to look at these things anecdotally. I don't want to um, sort of just give a, a casual observation of these things because they're too important, you know. Like people listen to this show... You know, the, the bank and their whole life on the value of their property, you know and or their investment property. It doesn't mean that we walk around flippantly throwing money at property at any price. In fact, I think Australian investors are are very logical and are very purposeful, and it's my experience with them in terms of what they buy. And by the way, Australian lenders are very logical and very purposeful, and very mathematical in terms of how much they lend. And I, I'll add to that. the regulator, is very logical and very mathematical in how much they let the banks and companies like Yellow Brick Road lend to the borrowers. So a good example is there's been a new um, um, benchmark that has been insisted upon by the regulator, and all the banks are adopting it, as we are at Yellow Brick Road, that the maximum amount of money that you'll be lending on investment purpose property, in other words, a property you buy for the purpose of uh, renting out, is 80%. Now, that's... That's a tough rule. That's a good rule. That's a very important rule. That's not the sort of thing that sort of tells me that people out there throwing money are probably just to buy things at any price. I just don't get it. There is a little bit of uh, media hysteria around this, and I, I, I'm sure there are some places where people pay too much, and I'm sure there's plenty of places where people get it for a bargain. But just that we're not hearing about the bargains, and it's also popular to talk about the prices where the prices are over the reserve. And I mean, I heard some people the other day in a coffee shop saying, ah. Oh, you know it's unbelievable the property in Hunters Hill. Well, man, how many people are buying in fucking Hunters Hill? Like, it's, that's not that's not your average Australian house, but the house in Hunters Hill uh, uh, was up for uh, inspection for one week, and they got uh, in one week they got two offers, and they sold it at the end of the week for six hundred thousand dollars over the price they thought they're going to get. Then I'd like to examine that one. I'm not going to get a chance to examine it, but it maybe because the agent was quoting underquoting it, that's quite possible. Um, it may be because it was the best house in Hunters Hill that everybody in Australia and China and everywhere else wanted to buy, and therefore you had a major, you know, major demand for that property, which is makes sense why it went for six hundred thousand um, over the reserve within one week. Did not go to auction. You know, if that was me, I probably would have sent it to auction. I would have been trying to get a million dollars over the reserve if, if that was me. But you know, the point here is let's not take one or two examples and actually apply it across the whole board as an anecdote. That that's dangerous. Let's actually have logical national average numbers. Then let's have logical national state numbers. And let's have national um, logical um, city numbers. And let's do it by suburb. And let's do it by street. Then we know what we're talking about. That's The bubble is in relation to what each one of us is doing. The bubble is in relation to what each what each group of us is doing, the bubble is in relation to what each city's doing, then what each state's doing, then what we're doing nationally. So to say that we have a bubble in housing in Australia is a nonsense. To say we have a bubble in housing in in Sydney is a nonsense. We've got you know, nearly 5 million people live in Sydney. There's probably, I don't know, 3 million houses or 2.5 million houses. Is there a bubble in relation to 2.5 million houses or is there a bubble in relation to 20,000 houses? That's what I want to know. That's the important bit. My guess is that's not the case,
3: Mike. You said that these are panicky comments. What's the point of panicking people?
0: I don't look. I don't know if he went out there to panic anybody. I think what's happened here just is that um, he's been put on the spot in, a, in an inquiry by a politician who's asking the same popular question that everyone's asking: Are we in a property bubble? In a number of times a hear, are we in property bubble? I got asked that on a Triple M radio station this week. You know, and, and my response is no way. Um, what will if there's look in order to Prove there's a bubble. I'll tell you what needs to happen. People have to be in a position where they can't afford to pay their home off anymore. As a result of not being able to afford to pay your home off anymore, you put your property in the market. In other words, all of a sudden, instead of increased uh, demand being greater than supply, it will go around the other way. There'll be more houses on the property market for sale than people there are willing to buy. The things that create people to not be able to afford their home and or their investment property, the reason why that happens is that they either lose their job, rents go down, It's not, in in other words, the mortgage payments are killing them, or uh, there's an interest rate increase, which means that their mortgages are now no longer affordable. Well, let's just examine them. There's not much chance of being interest rate increase at the moment. I mean, everybody's talking about that. There's no, we're talking about interest rate reduction um, or leaving rates the same. You know, I just read out what the Reserve Bank said about the economy. That's one. Two, um, the jobless numbers. The jobless numbers has been hanging around 6.3, 6.4 for a long time. They say it goes to seven percent. That's not like a ten percent. That's not a. That's not ten percent. That's a, that's a relatively speaking low rate. And finally, um, will rental yields, in other words, the amount of rent I get, become much lower than it currently as well? There's a shortage of properties right here in Sydney everybody knows there's a shortage of property here in Sydney. The reason there's a shortage of property in Sydney is because of the rules about how you can build property, you know, density rules, how long it takes to get a bloody approval to build a building, infrastructure costs if you're going to go right out out west somewhere to build something. Uh, And the fact is that there's increase in population in Sydney. The reason there's increase in population in Sydney is because this is where the jobs are in Australia. So, there's not there's not much chance of rental yields going down at the moment. I mean, they're not, I mean, if they do go down, they'll go down by a little bit, but we're not talking about going down by like 50% or 20%. You're talking about, you know, there might be a small lull. But so rental yields aren't going to go down. So therefore, in combination, I don't see enough factors to um, put affordability on the agenda or lack of affordability on the agenda. Therefore, I don't really know what's going to create new housing supply Excess housing supply in Sydney, which means there's not going to be any pressure on the prices of property. Therefore, no bubble. Well, if there is a bubble, it's not going to fucking burst. Entrepreneurs Inside.
3: We're sitting around drinking our coffees. We've had a couple of piccolos. What is it about a coffee shop? Why do we pick one coffee shop over the other, Mark? What are they really selling?
0: Well, this is a a curious topic. I don't want people to get a bit weird, think I'm a bit weird. I'm going to have a weird conversation with you now, but... uh, Sometimes weird conversations are interesting. It elicits uh, some creativity. Um, the funny thing is I knew this was on because, you know, we talked about it last night when we were talking about what we are going to put on the show today and um, it happened to me. It's happened to me before but it happened to me that like, I just couldn't believe it. I said, what the fuck? Um, so this morning I've, I've, I was uh, with the Coppers and um, we did our sparring session down at Wollongool PCYC at 6am. We usually finish about... 10 to 7 or something, and, and what we do is we race and get a cup of coffee every week, I don't know, for years now, every week Wednesday morning we go down to this place down there near uh, Sydney Police Centre in D- Surrey Hills across the road. It's called Vinny's or Pablo's Vice, that's right. It's called Pablo's Vice and it's owned by a guy called Vinny, Italian boy, and uh, he's a cool guy. And this morning we got there and it was it was closed. And, you know, like it was bitterly cold and it was really cold this morning. Really cold, and uh, and you know we're desperate for coffee, especially me because I got to come do the podcast. So I, I get my wind up from the coffee. And um, so we just stand there like a stale bowl of piss, and we didn't know what to do. And uh, we looked across the road, and there's another joint open. I'm not going to say the name of it. And uh, so we just, you know, reluctantly we walked across the road because we were desperate for the coffee. Walked inside, sat down, um, and had to sort of grab the attention of the young lady working there, who was just setting up, by the way, in her defence, but just setting the joint up and had to grab, you know, all we wanted was a coffee and she was she was putting chairs out and it was a bit of a misread from her point of view. She didn't sort of ask us what we want. so in the end we ended up telling her what we wanted. And then when we were sitting there, some words came out, a couple of interesting words. One of the guys said, now, Vinny's joint is pretty grungy, gritty, and... uh and cold and freezing, but to be honest with you. But uh, I know, it's got an attractive part about it, um, something attractive about it. Um, whereas this place was, we're indoors, it was closed, it's fresh, it's brand new, but it had a sort of a clinical feel to it. It was a bit, you know, just was no warmth there. And we weren't getting much from the young lady because, you know, she was obviously got there at six in the morning. She's trying to, you know, fire the coffee machine up, et cetera. Uh, one of the boys who were with me, uh, foe for the sake of the conversation I was calling foe which is, you know, a word for fake, faux Fo, French word for fake. So I'll just use that uh, pseudonym for him at the moment. Um, he said, yeah, joint like warmth. And I started thinking about this, right? So this is where, let's just hang with me, right? Just here, we, this is where we're going to go. Jess, you, you, know, you might have to help me here. Um, you're a mother um, and you know what I'm talking about. Okay, let's just have a look at this. The whole point about coffee, what's it all about? Someone said during the morning, you know, coffee smells great, but I don't really like the taste of it. I thought about that. So here we got the words warmth, clinical, like the smell, don't like the taste. So what the hell is it about coffee? What is it about? What it, is it about coffee that makes us want to have a cup of coffee in the morning? So psychologically, there's something around all this. If you want to be a good coffee shop proprietor, and this is an example of what is my business purpose? What is the purpose of the business I'm in? Am I selling coffee? Is Yellow Brick Road selling a loan? We know that, you know, Kerry Packer told me, no, you're not. You're selling hopes and dreams. So what is a coffee shop owner selling? What are they selling? What are the words that best describe it? Or why do we like Vinnie's Joint? All right, it is a bit cold and gritty, but Vinny's the guy. Vinny's there. Hey, boys, comes and gives a hand shake. You know, what's going on? He's cheeky. He's funny. Uh, we know him well. We're, we trust him in that we are familiar with him. We've been going there for a long time. We go on a strange pace. We're not used to it. My view on it is this. Now, don't freak out, okay? This is my view. Our view as to how we feel first thing in the morning goes right back to it when we were being nursed by our parent. When we woke up at 5am, 4am in the, in the morning, we would make a noise. Our parent would rush in, pick us up, and feed us. The first thing we got was our warm beverage in the morning. The first thing we got was a warm beverage. That warm beverage, though, was nurturing. It made us connect. That was our first community. That's our first community. It's our mother, or you know, it could be our father, but it's, it's our first connection, our first community experience. And our first community experience is one of nurturing. It's 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 health. It fills my tummy. It's warm. It's, it's uh, intimate. It's loving, blah, blah, blah.
3: Security as well. Security. You yeah. feel safe
0: and yeah. secure. And also the parent is parenting and the child is being a child. And I don't think we're born to like the taste of coffee. I think we're born to like the experience. Yes. And I think that... Our warm beverage, it could be a cup of tea, by the way, better or a hot chocolate, but our warm beverage in the morning, whether it's coffee, tea, chocolate, bonox, whatever the hell it is, is more about the experience of being nurtured and 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 having a sense a community. Now, today, the community is broader. I mean, it's all the people in the coffee shop you know. It's the propriety you know. It's the people you go to the shop with. So it's it's many people in the community. It's when we're a child, it's just our mother. It could be our mother and father you know, sitting there in bed together. It could be our mother, brother, and two or three of our sisters or something. But we get the sense of community. And I think that's a basic human need. So... You know, Kerry's point was, what is your purpose? Well, your purpose, if you're a coffee shop, is you're to provide these. And what are the hallmarks of this? Well, they're the very words my mate said. It can't be clinical. You can't, you know, when a kid wakes up in the morning, you can't be clinical towards it because you won't connect with the kid. The kid won't connect with you, especially when it's just born. The next thing is you don't keep a fucking kid waiting at 6.30 in the morning. Otherwise, you're going to screen the fucking joint down, just like I feel like doing when I was in the coffee shop this morning. Don't keep me fucking waiting. I want my coffee. You know, all of us who are parents, know you don't keep your kid waiting. Otherwise, you're going to get a godful. The kid wants to be fed and nurtured now. And that's what happens when you walk in a coffee shop. You don't want to see the person running around putting the chairs out. You want them to walk straight up. You say, yeah, uh, good morning. Uh, what is it? Would you like? Yes, cappuccino, piccolo, hot chocolate, whatever it is, coming right up. And you think, okay, right, you're relaxed. Oh, I don't mind this, John. I'm relaxed. And would you like something to eat? You're even more relaxed. Would you like some water to go with it? Even more relaxed. And the room must feel warm and, and inviting. You know, you don't want to be in a cold environment. So the word warm came up this morning. We got cold. That's the feeling I got. Now, it wasn't a cold room, but we felt cold from the experience of the person that was dealing with us because this person does did not understand what her purpose was. Her purpose was not to put the fucking chairs out. Her purpose was not to get the joint organised. The purpose was to make us feel warm and nurtured. That's the And that's the purpose test, the purpose question that Kerry Packer put to me in relation to the, to the wizard business, the home loan business. And it's this very same question that you've got to put to a coffee shop and to any business. It's about what is the business they're supposed to do? What is the basic human emotion we're playing to? And in the t- case of coffee, it's warmth, it's nurturing, it's community, it's connectivity, it's, it's you know, touching, listening, laughing, you know, I've seen mothers and I remember my own kids when they were being nurtured. You know, the mother would sort of giggle at them, and they giggled back and uh, it was a relaxed environment. It's so cool. And in fact, it's one of the most wonderful experiences you can ever have is to see your child um, being looked after and nursed by their mother and uh, some interaction, that little interaction. And I actually think that's what coffee's all about. So I know it's a bit weird now, Jess, but this is my theory anyway.
3: No, no, no. I think it's brilliant. I can see it. I, I, I'm just thinking about that that young woman in the new coffee shop. She wasn't thinking like a proprietor, as you've talked about. So so Vinny's over there. He's the proprietor. He's, you know, wanting you to feel that community. She, she wasn't employed on the basis that she was thinking like the owner.
0: And that's a, a good example when people ask me questions, what do I do when I, you know, what do I look for when I'm employing somebody? Well... Man, it's this uh, sense of proprietorship. <laughs> a proprietor. But by the way, if you're the owner of the co- coffee shop, you should be teaching her that. Don't don't, don't don't sort of slam her. Maybe no one's ever told her. She was only a young girl. So no one, a proprietor naturally will do it because he's actually trying to get the cash register going. Um, but a young girl is not naturally trying to get the cash register going because she's probably not responsible for the amount of money that comes through the till. She's just there to open up and fire up the coffee, sh- the coffee machine. Get the chairs get out. Get the chairs out. And because she's going to leave at 3.30 whatever so... She's thinking about her day. She, you know, she's done everything responsibly, but she just lacked that little bit of proprietorship understanding. And I think this is this whole question of purpose is so important, just like, uh, you know, you guys out there who run businesses and you people out there who want to run businesses and you people out there who are working in businesses you want to get better at what that business is about, understand your basic purpose of why you're there. And the coffee shop's the best example. Next time you go into a coffee shop, you ask yourself why you were there, why you like this place relative to everywhere else, and I'll bet you any money it's about all the things that we just talked about. You've talked in the past about pitching, and I just want to ask
2: you about this idea of, you know, being able to present yourself to people, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, people in workplaces... Presenting yourself in the best possible way that you know basically convinces people that you know what you're talking about. Whether you know whether it be in a job interview or whether you're pitching for a new business, whether you're a salesperson. Well, what do you what, what's your business,
0: Jakey? What are you doing? I'm, are you, in, I'm in audio
2: production. So. Okay,
0: so what so what do you do all day? Like what what do you do? Like wait, tell everyone who's listening what you do here today for me.
2: I'm an audio engineer, so I'll be looking after all the sound, setting up the microphones, um, editing the podcast, creative audio production.
0: And why are you good at it?
2: Because I have had. Years of experience, I know what I'm doing. What's years
0: experience been? I've
2: done it for 10 years.
0: 10 years, yeah? And uh, 10 years of doing what? Do you play around with it? Do you experiment? Do you try yeah. different things?
2: Yeah, experimenting in my free time, reading articles about it, listening to other people, asking questions, um, having a mentor for a number of years who's shown me. You got to... feedback? Yeah, I got feedback. And what from... do people say about your feedback? You know, in the beginning, they would give me feedback and say, oh, you know, maybe you can work on this, maybe you can try this, you know, experiment, have a listen to this, um, see if you can, you you know, you can match this kind of sound.
0: Is there someone to benchmark? You want to benchmark yourself against someone?
2: Yeah, there's a whole bunch of people in the industry who I look up to and, you know, my old manager sideshow at at Triple M was a big kind of mentor for me who... And do you mimic him? Mm, For a long time I did because I thought, you know, I want to make a sound just like this, but eventually as you develop and you get these skills you have your own sound and your own voice and you and the, move
0: on from mimicking and kind of get your own thing happening just okay like so guy. you just pitched to me
2: yeah i
0: did you just did your pitch that's a yeah. good smile too it's you just pitched to me and that's and that's what a pitch is about it's about being natural yeah but guess what you were doing then i have no fucking clue what you're talking about right yeah but you were talking to me you're having a conversation with yourself yeah. and a technique that's really good works really well is pitching whether you're in, on a stage to one thousand yeah. people, ten thousand people, or if you're pitching to a someone who you're trying to raise money from, like two or three people, are you pitching to me about you know for what your greatest idea is and you want to you know get on our podcast show here?
2: Yep.
0: It's about having a conversation with yourself, an honest conversation about why you are good at something yeah. and hitting certain things like who did I, who was my benchmark? Yeah. Um, why am I now moved beyond that benchmark? Um, what is unique about what I do? How good is my experience? How many hours have I been doing this? I mean, you've been doing it for ten years. How many hours? I mean, all of a sudden, you what you're putting in stamping on my mind is that yes, he's experienced, he's creative, he's resilient. In other words, he hang has been hanging in there. He loves this. Mm. You've got to be yeah. absolutely possessed.
2: Oh, totally. What
0: you're doing. Yeah. Um. You know, a good example is Ron Creevy, who was who came in here the other day. Now, Ron's where's he from, Nick? Again, Momentum oh. Media. Momentum Media. Okay. Yes. Now Ron is a serial entrepreneur, and you asked me about this guy. I mean, you said that, you know he's really good at you know telling us his story because he was telling us it was about all the different things he's doing. And I actually interrupted and said, "Look, he's pitching now. People like him pitch for a job. In other words, they are used to raising money. They are used to putting their ideas in front of entrepreneurs. They're used to putting their ideas in front of, the, of their consumers." but equally what they do is they are pitching all the time for practice in order to put in front of those people. So they practice their pitch all the time, and their pitch all the time is actually having a conversation with themselves, but what they're looking for is your reaction and how do they dance around it? How do they get around that, your reaction? Because everybody's going to have a different view on them. So Ron was actually, there's no need to pitch to us, for God's sake. I mean, like, we're just standing there hanging out talking in his studio. But we were, he was looking it wasn't about us, it was about him. He was doing that to see stuff for himself and his conversation with his, was with himself. Yeah. And he just, te- if you had, keep having the same conversation over and over and over and over and over and over again, on the same topic, you become really fucking good at it. Yeah. And if you know what, how to respond to everyone's reaction because you've done it now a hundred times, when you eventually go into a really important pitch where you're actually trying to pitch your idea for the purpose of raising money or whatever the case may be, you're an expert at it all of a sudden. And everybody puts you up there in that expert category, you know, because you're confident, you're strong, you have good content, you got good speed, you're good tone, you're good language. Um, you don't pussyfoot around the joint. You know to tell someone you've got a unique proposition. You know to tell someone why this is a, you're in a position to benchmark this as a unique proposition because you're an expert. Yeah. Um, you know how to uh, you know who to compare yourself to. You know you just mentioned something about from Triple M. Yeah. And, you know, for those people who are in the industry interested in investing in your idea, yep. they would know who you're talking about. But then you said, but by the way, I've now got my own sound. Yeah. And everyone goes, oh, fuck, that's important. That's interesting. Yeah. Kid backs himself. But he's actually had good experience and he knows how to benchmark himself. How do you develop the confidence, though? Like, I'm not in the business of. Keep talking about it, mate. Keep talking about it. Even- just keep prosecuting your point to everyone. Mate, are they going the- sick
2: of it? Are they just going to go, oh, but God, who he's just gives talking a shit- about himself it- all the time? Who
0: gives a shit what they think? Mate, you've got to be more greedy than that. More selfish. This is about you. Yeah. Right. You know. You know. Like, if you want to have a really good pitch, sound, tone, speed, content, mm. that's what it's about. Yeah. And and I guess also confidence and personal pitch. You got to keep doing it, mate. You, mate, I don't care if people don't aren't interested in what I am talking about. I really couldn't care less. That's what this podcast is about. You don't like listen to turn, tune out. Don't listen to me. And that's what you are doing business. If you want to get, get good at what you are doing pitch it, keep pitching it, pitch it to your friends, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your kids, your wife, down the street, you know, you, you bump into some mate you haven't seen for ages mate, and you say, how are you going? Well, first thing you do, you launch into what you're doing. Ron Creevy was talking to one, two, three, four, five strangers. Yeah. Never met me before. Launched straight into what he's doing. He gave, he, in about 15 minutes, we heard what he's doing all around the world. Jeez, he was
2: good
3: at it
0: too. Unbelievable. So natural, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, so natural. And uh, he's, he, he's a natural... He's natural because he's doing it all the time.
3: Mark, how do you make it sound as if you're not trying to convince yourself while you're talking to yourself? Because there's a difference between sounding confident and sounding as if you're talking to yourself but trying to convince yourself.
0: Well, that's a good point, Jess. Uh, I guess in the in the when you first start doing this, you're going to sound like that, yeah. and over time you just keep ironing out your wrinkles. I mean, it's a bit like, uh, well, you, you manage Joey, right, Nick? Jo- yeah. When he play footy, yes. Joey, how, how did he, you know, like, it, not every kick he did, Jess, would have been, you know, he'd train, train, train for his kicks from the sideline or his banana kick and all that sort of stuff. He eventually got it right, but it wouldn't have happened right first day. No, no. It's practice. Yeah. Is that right?
1: Correct, yeah. meticulous with his first to get to training, last to leave.
0: Correct. And, and I mean, I've heard that about a whole lot of great kickers. I mean, what was that, uh, El Masri used yeah. to do that?
1: Johnny Wilkinson, the England flyer. Yep. Yeah used to be out there at midnight some nights before. He'd only leave until he got it right.
0: And what was a Canterbury winger that really famous, Not before uh, Darrell Dar- Halligan, Darryl Hull- Darryl Hulligan. I used to hear the same story about him. He would kick and kick and kick and kick and kick and just keep kicking. And what we're talking about here is practice, okay? There is a theory which was, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about in his book called Outliers. It's called the 10,000-hour theory. It's not Malcolm Gladwell's theory. It's a theory that he's, you know, his uh, research came from a German psychologist who, did, who learnt who developed this theory, excuse me, I'm in a, a German music academy in Berlin, and his view was, no matter whether you're a protégé or not, if you put all the protégés in the room with all the punters, in, like the, the, the relatively good musicians in the room from an age of, say, 12, and you watch them through to the age of 20, and then you categorised, you know, uh, what levels they all achieved, just because you're a prodigy, did didn't mean you got into the category A where you, where you would become um, a, a an individual violinist in a symphony orchestra. Um, and the and the reason for that is, in his view, in the view of a psychologist, which was recited by Gladwell in the book, is that at a minimum, everybody, whether you've got talent or not, must do 10,000 hours of what they call purposeful practice. So Joey, when he's doing his practice, would have thought, okay, well, why don't I just try, if I bend the ball that way, what happens? What about if I try and bend the ball this way? And it, ultimately he invented the banana kick from doing that. Um, I can't remember who it was, whether it was Johnny Peard for the Roosters or whether it was uh, Russell Fairfax, but someone developed the up and under, like in the 70s. And it's because it came about as a result of purposeful practice and trying different things all the time. And I guess what you're doing, Jake, here is you're you're trying different things with your sound, You're bored here. You're moving, you know, dials up and down and you're just trying to get a new sound. What does that sound like, you know? Like, and is it cool? Is it part of what everybody wants to hear today as opposed to what they've always wanted to hear is a new sound?
2: Yeah, so when you're talking about, um, you know, when you're having a conversation with someone, this idea of having a conversation with yourself, can you just explain that a little bit more? Because it's a really interesting idea that might help, especially with nerves, because I think I find a lot... um, ..a lot with when I'm speaking, because I don't do it all the time, and I don't have 10,000 hours on my sleeve, it's getting over those nerves and, you know, picturing an empty room, is that the idea that you're talking about or you're having a conversation with yourself, you're convincing other people, but...
0: It's nearly meditative, to be honest with you. It's uh, like I know you when you're talking to me. Your eyes are all over me. You're looking for my responses. Yeah. Um, conversation with myself. I'm not doing that with you. I'm actually inside my own head, listening to myself. I'm actually having my own conversation with myself. Isn't that the feedback that you get when you're pitching? In- no, I'm, get- I'm, getting, where- I'm getting peripherally. I'm getting your feedback. Yeah. But I'm not concentrating your feedback. I'm concentrating on what I'm, I'm saying. I'm, I'm thinking about my own process. I'm thinking about my own conversation.
2: Isn't that a measure of, like, the, the other person's response, isn't that a measure of
0: how well you're pitching? Not, it, your is, it is, but it's not as as important as practising the conversation with yourself. God. That's got to take the priority. How do it, you know whether that conversation with yourself is successful and
2: what you need and the right thing to say? You should be, in Because head.
0: you shouldn't be trying to judge it on every single conversation. What's more important is you build up this conversation over time, because to be frank with you, your reaction to um, Ron Creevy is not going to really make or break Ron's day. No, of course. Ron's more interested in the sort of uh, the the congreg aggregation of all the outcomes. He's he, you know he'll map, triangulate all the outcomes he's seen for a day, and you know yours will be. One out of fifty or something like that, and then over a ten-day period, it might be one out of five hundred. So, so you know, he's not that. In- not to be honest, you know, don't want to be offensive. No, he's no, not that interested that. in what you th- what no, you no, think. No, no, no. But, 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 at the same time, what he's more interested in is actually developing his own conversation within himself and actually concreting the process and getting the neurological system, the brain, the part of the brain, the the neurons and the synapsing between the neurons, really well developed. Well developed as to the concept of what it is he's trying to pitch, so he's always having the conversation with himself. So when I'm talking to you now, I'm talking to myself and not fucking talking to you. I'm looking at your reaction, but it doesn't mean anything to me. A little bit, a little bit. I'm looking. I can, and peripherally, I can see Jess and I can see Nick. I, I can sort of see peripheral views, and I'm thinking because I'm thinking to myself, well, Nick looks a bit bored. Um, keeps covering his face up. Uh, uh, Jess looks like she's trying to jump in the conversation, but and and but I'm I'm sort of but I'm directing at you. Yeah. I'm actually, you're my target, but I'm still talking to myself.
2: Even though you're maintaining, like, really intense eye contact and yeah.
0: directing all your attention towards yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, 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 correct. And the, it's and just that, something
2: I find hard to do too is, like, when you're talking to someone, even though, you know. It's like, but I'm not having,
0: thinking about looking at you. I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of staring at you to some extent. Like a meditative state. Yeah, it is. A, as I said, it's a meditative that's state. That's so, really so when I'm on the stage talking to, you know, I can be talking to 8,000 people. I'm just sort of not talking to anybody. I'm talking to myself the whole time. So you won't get nervous. I don't get nervous. And I take that straight. I get nervous before I get on. Once I'm on, it's it's a game. How did you develop that? I, had to I, don't, get to know, that I don't know how practiced. I developed I didn't 10, do it. 10,000 hours. Consciously. Yeah, 10,000 hours. I just, correct. I just kept practicing. I mean, I did it so many times, it just became part and parcel of what I do. So I can pretty much pitch anything to anybody if, I, if I'm prepared for it, if I understand the content. But so... I guess uh, this is why I'm doing this podcast. I mean, uh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm having a conversation with myself, but what I'm letting everybody you know, on the podcast who, you know, who tunes into this is they're listening to my thoughts, and that's what podcasting is about. It's about sharing your thoughts with people. I, I'm not talking to anybody. There's, nobody, no, no, there's no one out there. <laughs> I can't see who these people are on the podcast. Yeah. I could actually do this. I reckon I could do this podcast if there was no one in the room, and that would be the test for you. If there's no one in the room, can you get on the here and pitch it, pitch it, and record and listen to it? Pitch what you want to pitch.
3: Interesting. Homework.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna try that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so am I. <laughs> but it's, that, that would be interesting, like, uh, because I mean, I, I, that's it. This is just one technique. I'm sure there's millions of techniques, but this is my technique. This works for me. It's conversation within your own head. You know, some people think I'm gonna be fucking crazy. Like, I might be a bit mad doing this, but man, it works.
3: Mark, I've often wondered: Are you always thinking about work? How do you? What, what are you doing on the weekends? Do you, are you? How do you keep yourself up? Are you? Are you always on in your mind?
0: Um, well, work's my hobby, Jess. So I, I don't have a hobby. So I, I, I use work as a hobby. So I guess I'm always I'm always on it. I'm always on it.
1: Mate, but you do chill out on the weekend. I'm, I mean, it's I, I would imagine that you try to have some downtime on the weekend. Is that? Yeah. Party routine.
0: Well, I do because I can only do as much as everybody around me is available to do. So it's interesting because last weekend on Sunday was a pretty crappy day. So it was actually one of my worst days I've had for a long time. So like everybody, I have my ups and downs. I mean, I'm not bipolar, but, you know, I felt bipolar on Sunday. But so like Sunday morning, what happens is uh, normally on Sunday, I go to the gym with my mates, 7.30. No one in Australia goes to the gym at 7.30 on Sunday morning, but I do with a couple of mates of mine. But um, sometimes they've got, they got kids and the kids get sick and all that sort of stuff. So... So no one turned up and um, I was there by myself. In fact, the whole gym, I was the only person in the gym. And uh, that was fine. And then, then of course, I got to eat. So I normally have breakfast with my mates on Sunday mornings, you know, hang out with mates. So mates weren't there, so I went to breakfast on my own. You know, I had the usual, went to the usual place I normally go to. That was all okay. But it was a bit cold, windy, very grey, a bit dank, sort of a weird sort of a day. And then uh, I thought I'd go home and ring my parents. I thought maybe I'd go and hang out with Mum and Dad. And... Uh, but Mum and Dad were busy that day, so, like, I couldn't even go and hang out with my parents. That was a <laughs> – like, man, what's going on here? So um, I was laying down. So I thought I'd just, I was just sitting with my phone next to my pocket. You know, like, I'm, I'm constantly on my phone, Nick. And guys, I'm just going – I thought, well, maybe I'll – is there an email there that I can answer or <laughs> is there a, a tweet there from someone that I could look at or is there a, a text there from someone that I go, has one of my sons text me? What, 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 what can I look for? Nothing. Zero. So I, I, I'm laying there with my phone in my hand, my tracksuit on from the gym. Um, I'd had breakfast. The sun was coming in, uh, what little sun there was, was coming into the to the room. I was on a lounge. Uh, the TV was on, had, you know, BBC on there, which is, you know, like you know, that's terrific on a Sunday morning. And my, um, my reading glasses in the other hand. And I fell asleep. And I, I don't know if you get in those seats where you fall asleep and like, I don't know how long it was for, but it wasn't maybe half an hour, but I got in one of those seats where I was, Trying to wake up, but I couldn't wake up. And like, you know, you, you shake, you know, you're sort of saying, come not wake up," but your brain's sort of sinking into your stomach or something. I don't know. It's, it's the weirdest feeling. Anyway, I, I so I'm, I reckon I slept for an hour in this sort of state, and then I woke up, and I felt fucked. Like I completely felt like depressed, and uh, I got. I thought well, you've got to get up, and move around, and, and I'm thinking I've got to eat. There's no food in the kitchen, of course. So I I, I, I go out, go out, go and walk outside. And I go outside. It was just dark and dank. The whole place—it seemed like the you know the whole world was coming. So, I'm not always up, and I'm not. And to be frank with you, I was actually thinking to myself, I can't wait for Monday to come, where I can get back to work and I can see people, I can talk to people, I can make phone calls, I can read emails, I can look at texts, I can read tweets, um, I can prepare for this week and can pre- prepare for the podcast. because podcast is one of the best things I do in my week. Um, I can go to the footy. Monday night footy was on. Uh, I was just thinking about, I was looking forward to tomorrow. And actually, I think that's a real problem. I think you've got to, I've got to work out how do I enjoy now on my downtime. Yeah, i could got to actually think about now. Now, I'm okay now, Monday to Friday, because I've got lots of stuff happening on this uh, smart device that i got in front of me. But I've learned to rely on that to run my life. When I'm looking for downtime, as you put it, on yeah. the weekend, I'm actually don't, I don't know how to enjoy my downtime and actually recharge. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> I once read an article that you did for uh, in an interview for GQ where you, someone asked you about work-life balance, and you basically said, well, it's your, it's your fucking life that you choose, and, and your passions work, you know, yeah. so it's...
0: Yeah, it is my passion, but yeah. sometimes it leaves you, you know, with your ass caved in. Yeah. You know, it can do that. And you've got to be prepared for that. If you want to be doing what I do and you want to be in business or entrepreneur, be prepared for your ass to cave in on certain occasions. Because uh, it can be a pretty lonely place, being in business for yourself. Mm. It can be very lonely.
3: What did you do, Mark, to shake it off on yeah. Sunday?
0: Uh, what did I do? Well, I, t- I turned the telly off. I got up, and I moved, I got out, and I, I had to. I had, uh, had to move. I felt as though I got to move around the joint. Um, I started texting my youngest son, Jimmy. who's twenty-two, and he's always good for a laugh. He's funny, and I got on WhatsApp with him, and he's, you know, he's always. You know, sort of jamming it into me, and he's got his own language. Saying, so, you know, "I play around with the language." It's like, it's, I guess it starts to stimulate me a little bit creatively to try and talk in his language and sort of get part, be part of his uh, bagging. I, I, there's a young kid who plays footy for for the Roosters, so I actually had a, a mag to him on uh, by text. Basically, just I just hunted down people who would communicate with me, trying to find people to communicate to me, so I could actually, you know, have some community. Is what I was looking for, some community. Um, I I went and had a look at uh, the, the night time coming. Went and had a look at vivid. Walked around, had a look at what was going on outside, the lights. Um, but the good thing is there's people everywhere. Yeah. I think we just got you got you might not need to actually hang out with people, but you got to see people. <coughs> you got to know that there's outside of the box that you're in. And you know, it's funny. I was thinking about all this, and I, I I thought to myself, Wow, could you imagine being in jail, locked up for 23 hours a day, and having one hour of Uh, whatever they get when they get let out for one hour. I mean, it must nearly send you crazy. I mean, mean, I'm sure a lot of these guys deserve it, but it it must be pretty bad. Like, it must be a massive emotional adjustment. It's not just punishment. There's an emotional restructuring of yourself. You have to be pretty good. And I was listening to the guy on Sunday night, or was it Monday morning? Monday morning, I was listening to Triple M. I was listening to that guy that was, you know, released recently out of Egypt he was in that jail in Egypt.
1: Journalist. Peter Cresto.
0: Peter Cresto. And uh, he was talking about how important it was to do a number of things because he got solitary confinement for a period of time and he actually w- learned how to meditate himself and learned how to think about positive, creative things, like finding whatever was in the in the cell he was. He got little bits and pieces of things and tried to make stuff out of it. And so four or five, maybe a, a, a strand of hair or a matchstick or, you know, and try to create something out of it and... I think we have this constant need to be creative, um, and uh, we don't realise that we're doing it all the time in the day. It might be a thought, it might be an idea, it might be imagination, it might be your dreaming when you're driving a your car, you know, you know, you're listening to music, whatever it is. You know, like it's it's sort of quite amazing um, how these people survive, but we always survive. We're pretty good at it.
1: Do you think it's a challenge as well for people that are maybe have been in an office environment or, or the corporate world that then gone out on their own? They've tried to launch their own business, and they're probably working in isolation. They're working from home. They're not communicating with people. They're not connecting with people. They're not getting inspired. Is that a? You can yeah, always well,
0: feel I- completely isolated on your own. And- well, well th- that's a very good point. And you and I, as you 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 and I met up this week with uh, Telstra Business, and mm. I think Telstra Business is right on the money here because those Telstra Business centres are exactly what people like you described need to go to. Mm. You need to go somewhere where no one's judging you. Uh, everyone's in the mm. same boat. People are there, and there's energy in the room. You got a seat, and you get there that you can probably have a mag to people. Probably see the same people there because they're usually they're in community environments, like demographically in you know your local area. Because there's so many people, Nick, who come out come away from those support groups. So they worked in a bank, um, and they were there for 20 years. The bank's made them redundant. They had the whole bank system education, you know, compliance uh, environments. So you can take sick leave, you know, some all that. And then they're redundant, all of a sudden they're out on their own. So they, are, they do the right thing. They go off and become a, a broker, a business broker, or a mortgage broker or whatever they do based on their experience. But all of a sudden they're on their own and they've got no support group. Hmm. And uh, those people are getting – There's I know there's at least 6,000 of them in Australia, those people, 6,000, um, because we deal with those brokers. And, and I often uh, – I, I feel quite – enamoured by their resilience and their ability to operate in those environments. You know, they get up in the morning and somehow they get to work, you know, get in their car, go and make their visits. To some extent, they're forced to. Mm. It's quite incredible. Guys, I, I... we're getting so many videos, but, mate, they are so fucking crap, it's ridiculous. I don't know what's going on with you guys out there. All you entrepreneurs and all you small business people who want to do startups, you're telling me how you want to do it. you Send me a decent pitch. Send me a decent idea. Like, just one would be nice. Um, I don't know, like surely there, someone out there wants some, something to go on maybe we didn't have to put a big enough prize there. So Nick, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put ten thousand dollars. In the next three months, I'm going to invest 10 grand into someone's business. I mean, I, I might, look, we might even just give them ten grand and and, and take like five percent of the business. I don't care what the business is worth. So for five percent, I'm going to give them ten thousand dollars and and we'll give them uh, you know mentorship for seventy five hours. You know, in other words, they can sort of ring up over a period of a month and get 75 hours' worth of discussions or emails and stuff like that, back and forth. But that's going to happen over a three-month period. But you've got to send me the pitch. You've got to be done, it's got to be done on YouTube. Show me your product. Explain the product. Tell me what it's about, Why you got it, what is unique about it. I don't want to hear about guys who want to set up thong franchises or, uh, or something that's already been done, unless you've got a, you've got a better, better mousetrap. That's, that's important. It'll be a better mousetrap. Um, you know maybe, you know, people complaining about um, not enough support for entrepreneurs, it could be a two-way street here. Maybe there's a lot of entrepreneurs a bit apathetic. You know, they they got they know what they want, but they don't do nothing about it. So here's an opportunity. There's a good incentive, ten grand. Send them in. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on
2: Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au.